0: FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSradio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with the Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker
1: you're tuned to WGNS on this Friday morning today the 31st of March and today we're talking about issues that impact Rutherford County but at the state level and with us this morning we have state representatives Tim Rudd and Robert Stevens both in studio today and I understand it has been kind of hectic up there on
2: the hill well we uh, this Tim Rudd we uh, yesterday uh, they had a combination of locals and um, a bunch of paid anarchists come in from out of state. And they were uh, disrupting the uh, the meeting and uh, causing quite a scene. I guess it was over a thousand of them. And um, they were uh, trying to intimidate us, yelling, screaming, trying to disrupt the assembly. They uh, went up in the balcony, which we call the gallery. They um, were pretty quiet at first. And then um, three members of the Democrat House, um, um justin jones and mr pearson and miss Gloria johnson they went down to the well and took over the well the speaker cut the and they started screaming and yelling and encouraging the crowd to uh get rowdy and then they uh they pulled out a bullhorn speaker when the speaker cut the speaker off they took over the well and started screaming and yelling for gun control and calling us names and said we had blood on our hands and all this and um uh, it's nothing worse than some uh, political activist trying to use the uh, the death of children to push a political agenda. But that's what was going on. And uh, we had to stop session. And uh, then the leaders of the Democrat and Republican caucus uh, met out on the balcony behind the speaker's desk. Uh, and uh, the speaker and the Republican leadership was pretty upset that uh, – it was basically it was a riot. Then Justin Jones, while we were in recess, and Mr. Pearson went out into the crowd to work them up, to encourage them. Um, the speaker is going to—he um, said he's going to take action against them. And over the weekend, there're going to be um, discussions of of what to to do, if anything. And then Monday, when we come back, we'll see if. Um, see if any ethics charges are filed or if any, uh, any other punishments filed because they were encouraging a riot and disrupting the meeting and the decorum of the House, and that's against the rules. Uh, then they, uh, when the crowd was out there, after they got them worked up, uh, as members tried to go to the restroom during the recess, they were spitting on us, and they started throwing trash down from the balcony onto the floor, and we had to move the members away from the balcony to the center of the room. Then the troopers came in to uh, clear the, the balcony, and uh, then uh, gradually they started clearing uh, out from under the rotunda so we could get to the restrooms and then once uh, the balconies were cleared and we went back in session mr jones and pearson were quiet
1: it was hard to really understand what some of the chants were i'll just play a a quick snippet of it here but this is what you guys heard
2: Mr. Stevens, that was my. What I take you can give your perspective on it as a freshman. I bet you've never experienced anything like that, have you? Yeah, I've definitely never seen anything like that
3: on the county commission. We would have a full house sometimes for people that were upset about something, but nobody ever got out of hand and was throwing things and uh, getting rowdy and, and shouting at people. I've never seen anything like that in person, so that was definitely quite an experience to be in the middle of that. Uh, people have got to cool down their temperature and we'd certainly want people to come and be involved in the process to give their input to come to the meetings and know what's going on. But at a certain point when you start being disruptive and uh, hostile to people, it really becomes
2: embarrassing as a state and I don't think this is what we want to be known for. Well Scott, I think I can speak for uh, for Robert here and tell me if I'm not but you know we went down there we have we have a certain set of beliefs. And we have a certain set of promises we've made our constituents that we're going to protect life and uh, protect property rights and and be against taxes and have more responsible government and and et cetera. We are not going to be intimidated. We are not going to back down from our police. So the public, uh, I've had several people contact me. Please don't. Don't abandon, don't have gun control, don't do this, don't violate our rights. We're not. The Republican, um, we're pretty united. I don't know of a single person that backing down from anything. If anything, that made us more united, more determined to do and stand by our principles down there at the Capitol.
1: And over the last couple of days, I have seen so many press releases from so many different groups and organizations And they're all doing exactly what you said, using what occurred at that private school in Nashville in order to try to push forward different changes and laws and whatnot. And I've actually got three names of Democrats who went out and started chanting with the group yesterday. And I've got representatives Justin Jones, Gloria Johnson, and Justin Pearson. All three apparently took part in that Yes. yesterday and I'm, I'm trying to envision because i didn't see it myself as it happened were they on the floor those representatives and they went into the crowd of those who were protesting
2: those were the ones the three democrat representatives i told you went down to the well which is the main podium where we present bills in front of the speaker they uh, took over the podium and started screaming and yelling at us inside the chamber and then when the speakers started handling the gavel, order, order, and cut their mic off, they pulled out a, uh, what's it called? A, a bullhorn. A bullhorn speaker and started screaming at us in the chamber um, uh, about gun control and it's time to act now and etc. cetera. And um, Gloria more or less just stood there, but uh, the other two were screaming and yelling. Then they started chanting up to the people in the balcony to get them worked up. And at that point, when they wouldn't shut up, we shut everything off. Uh, rather than remove them, he uh, ordered, um, or re- I should say, requested that the Democrat leaders join him out on what's called the balcony, which is the end of the the Capitol, right outside the House chamber, behind the Speaker's desk. And they went out and talked for about what you say about, uh, about 30, 40 about 30 minutes. About minutes. And uh, while they were in, while we were in recess, and the leaders were talking and telling them what's, what what we were not going to have this, we're not going to tolerate this. You need to get your members under control. Um, they went out into the crowd and did what you said, mot- uh, provoked them. It,
1: this just, it doesn't seem like something that either side of the aisle, Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't seem like something either side would, would want to be a part of. I, I mean, this disruption, it, it's just, it's not professional and it's not the way things should be done at the political level in the state capitol.
2: Well, from the faces on Democrats, both now and they've also disrupted. Uh, Mr. Pearson and Mr. Jones have disrupted committee meetings by yelling and screaming. They've had to be members usually when the Democrat members, usually when they get out of control in subcommittee or, or committee, they'll circle around where they're seating and tell calm down, calm down. They're embarrassed by them as well. Uh, but, you know, they're, they are their members, so they're trying to stand by them as much as they can. But you can tell they're embarrassed by them. They'll shake their heads, put their heads in their um uh, Put their heads uh, in their hands and just do like like the, I wish. They'll when they get agitated on the floor and the speaker has to say, "You're out of order." They'll go over and stand by them to remind them, and then uh, they won't even stand for the pledge. They uh, usually leave the room or just stay seated. Won't won't stand for "America the Beautiful" our national anthem or uh, the pledge. They uh, two of them leave the chamber usually, or they just stand talking. Uh, they just are totally disrespectful to the institution. To government itself and to this country
1: it doesn't really make sense to me because I you look at you know the the general assembly you look at Mm -hmm. the meetings that are held there and you kind of compare it to a courtroom for example you would not go into a public courtroom and disrespect the judge or the judicial system that way and if you were to then obviously you'd get held in contempt you you'd face a number of charges Is it the similar type thing that happens within the General Assembly? Can they face charges?
3: So the state constitution says that the House controls its own membership, and I do believe that by two-thirds vote they could be expelled. I'm not sure if we have to do like an ethics process first to give them a chance to respond and present evidence why they shouldn't be expelled, but I do believe the Speaker has the power to punish them, and I do believe that he's going to do that in some way on Monday.
1: And it almost makes a mockery of... You know what? What has been built over the last 100 plus years? I, I mean, it just doesn't add up.
2: Well, you don't whether it whether it's uh, whether it's in the um, the General Assembly or Congress, or City Hall or or the or the courthouse. You don't use um, meetings um, to yell and scream and demonstrate and, and attack other people. What you do on the campaign trail is up to you. But inside uh, official proceedings, you need decorum. You need honestly. You need to be able to work together. Even if you're in the minority and you don't agree with each other, you have some some semblance of decorum and some semblance of, uh, of, of respect. You can fight passionately for what you believe in. I do that all the time down at the Capitol, and I fight on the campaign trail for my beliefs. But uh, inside your official um, office, you have to have uh, a respect for the institution and a lot of unfortunate a lot of people don't anymore
1: after that shooting took place on monday it seems like so many different groups have come out of the woodwork to make statements or or say things that almost look like an attempt to stir the pot even more i, I for example This was from the Tennessee Firearms Association. They sent this out. It said uh, that the executive director, John Harris, he wrote in an email that was sent out to media and whatnot that some state legislators may be considering what he called a red flag law. And Harris then described what a red flag law means, writing that they are designed to make fire or to take firearms away from individuals if a report is made by or to government officials that a specific person possesses a risk to himself or herself if allowed to possess or purchase a firearm. But it was, you know, things like this that were sent out during the week, that instead, I think more people should have been saying, you know, we are so sorry for those families who have suffered from that tragedy. Well,
2: I went up. Um, I went up yesterday. Uh, actually, I think it was right. It may have been right after this when we reconvened to because we voted out on the uh, the caucus voted. Uh, they said Do you want to you want to leave the Capitol and come back Monday and let things cool down. And the and the caucus said, united, we want to continue with our agenda. We had what forty six bills. That's right. And we said, well, I don't care how long it takes. We're going to stay here. We're not going to let them control this house. We control this house. So we finished our agenda, and we stayed there at about 1.30 to finish what was on the day's agenda. But uh, I asked the speaker, I said, is there any possibility, because almost all of the committees are shut down now except for maybe, what, about four? You got, I think, most of education. You still got criminals, some of criminals open, and you got finance, which, of course, is the budget. And you got calendar and rules that has to stay open to set the the bills to be voted on. But for the most part, I'd probably say about three-quarters of all the committees are either shut down or will be shutting down this week. I have one still open, local full, and it'll be open for a couple of weeks. But all the subcommittees are shut down. So I asked the Speaker, I said, are there any of these committees scheduled? Are we going to be able to reopen any if we need to run legislation? He said, no, the only committee that he's interested in opening up is health, Uh, in case we have to have mental health reform. And that is something I've been pushing for years, violent mental health reform. Now what Mr. Harris is referring to is there there are mental health care legislation that can be used to declare someone mentally ill when they're not just to take their gun rights away because if someone is declared by a professional to be mentally ill, they automatically lose their gun rights and not if they're under treatment but if they're deemed to be in that now this miss uh what is it Audrey that committed the crimes she is 28 years old i believe and her parents asked her to go see a psychiatrist because she was acting irrationally and, and threatening to hurt people and uh, she was seeing a psychiatrist but it was voluntarily so though the authorities had no ability under Tennessee law to force her into treatment and medication um, now I had a bill four years ago. It's it's HB five oh eight, I believe, this year. I file it every year just in case something happens. I worked out four years ago with national mental health advocates from all over the nation. It took two years to write and it is the violent mental health care bill. And it's sitting on the the the, the in the books right now, sitting there ready to file, and I told the speaker he could use that if he wanted to, whether I cared or someone else does. And it, it states that If a family member or a police says that you have repeatedly, not repeatedly, threatened to kill, not harm yourself or anyone else, but kill other people... That police or your family can force you to go to a mental health care judge, and that judge can make a decision whether you are going to be forced to see a psychiatrist and be evaluated. This is all done secretly and privately, so you won't be embarrassed. If the psychiatrist deems that you need medication or treatment, the judge can order that treatment, and if you don't cooperate, you can be put in an institution uh, until you're, you're deemed fit. This is so that people that do have severe mental health uh, problems uh, that they can be treated and under medication and, and function as normal human beings. If that had been done to Miss Audrey, there's a chance are that she would never have committed this hideous crime. Now, that is a bill I have. It's written. It's perfectly written. It is not a red flag bill. It does not address firearms at all. And there's a plenty of barriers so that it could not be abused. But we have we have two advocacy groups on either side. We have the liberals who want gun control. The only way to get gun control is through a constitutional amendment. We can't pass an illegal law to confiscate people's illegal firearms, period. Um, and the liberals just can't seem to get that through their head. It's the Constitution. You have to change the Constitution to take those rights away. Now, the other side is the gun rights advocates. They don't want any, any mental health care reform uh, because they're afraid it would be used to, to hurt innocent people. Now, my bill was very carefully crafted so that it's only for the violent mentally ill, and hopefully they will either run it this year or next year.
1: Now again the shooting occurred this past Monday and you know I think for the first time in as long as I can remember this this was the first time that media nationwide said police in Nashville the metro police department did an excellent job in wow. getting there and ending the situation as fast as possible and I've never heard media nationwide actually say something positive like that in a situation like what occurred as unfortunate as it was the police did do a good job they did get there fast but i think after all of it happened the nashville mayor coming forward at a press conference focusing more on guns than the families in the tragedy i think that kind of set the tone in motion for what we have seen over the last couple of days, and that is so many people talking and talking and talking about gun laws and changes with gun laws, never really focusing on the mental health aspect of it. Like like you were saying, that mental health aspect that mental health aspect of it is the biggest component of all.
2: It is, and uh, luckily we have a speaker of the house who, um, without me, then questioning him. Him. He said that uh, the only thing he's going to address new would be mental health reform. So they're looking into that right now, what can be passed. And uh, uh, Speaker Sexton, um, he's usually pretty quick to respond to, to issues, and uh, he's, he's a very intelligent person. I don't always agree. We, we've, we've disagreed, but we're friends, and, and um, I've learned that in politics. When you, when you disagree with one another, you usually try to have some respect for one another and still remain friends, uh, but uh, uh, the Speaker Sexton is a thinker, he's highly intelligent, and he's always thinking, he, he sees problems that's why there's so many bills each year that originate from him and he has other legislators, like I'm carrying a couple of these bills this year um, he'll, uh, he'll see a problem that someone, either a constituent when he's touring the state or a lobbyist or somebody tells him about, he analyzes it and writes a legislation and then has us carry it and uh, he's really been fighting for 10 care reform this year and holding them accountable, and insurance companies and medical professionals as well. He tries to work out solutions to problems. And um, uh, he's always willing to meet with anyone. So, he, anyway, he is, he's fast um, to respond to things, and uh, we're lucky to have him
1: and for those listening this morning you're welcome to call in or text us any items or any topics or anything you would like to address 615-893-1450 call or text and with us this morning we have state representatives Tim Rudd and Robert Stevens and uh, you know we are going to see changes I'm sure over the years to come in a lot of a lot of areas but that mental health area is one that definitely needs a lot of change. And uh, on the gun side of things, do you foresee any major changes coming in the next year or two?
2: Well, there's Robert, you, you'd probably know this in criminal. he can describe it. There are two or three uh, already in the, already in the works before this event happened. There were already There's one bill, I think for to, to arm to be able for teachers who are trained to arm themselves in school, schools so they can defend students if this should happen. There's also a, uh, we have a carry law, but it's somewhat restrictive, and I think that we're going to loosen uh, loosen that so that law-abiding citizens can, can carry more easily. Uh, you may know the bill since they're going through criminal and, and civil more than I would. Uh, well, the House, passed a, or the House Civil Justice Committee passed on a bill that
3: uh, expanded Second Amendment freedoms and i think in the senate version it got watered down so i'm not sure where that is but everything with with guns kind of got put on hold this week was my understanding well so, i can
2: understand that right things do tend to get watered down and if one house passes one bill the other house either does they usually change very rarely that a a, a major bill goes through the house or senate without the other body making changes to it so uh, i don't well i guess we'll see what the senate's what the Senate changes are. I don't know yet.
1: Uh, Another bill that I heard a lot of talk about, and that was this week, actually a bill that was put forth by Senator Shane Reeves here in Murfreesboro. And that was to have a school resource officer of some type in every school across the state, every public school that is across the state. And there's grant money that would come along with that bill as well. Is that, something that looks like it's going to be signed. Robert off.
2: can describe that more than I. I do know that is that the same bill that uh gives permission for RSOs to be hired by private schools now? That's a separate bill. Okay. Uh, that Tell us about those bills. That one's already passed the house. Yeah I thought I we voted on it already.
3: So uh, Representative Hale who represents Cannon County uh, he presented a bill with Senator Reeves. Uh, originally it would require each school to hire a an sro and it was an unfunded mandate so they went back and they reworked the bill and they've set it up to where the state will grant thirty thousand dollars to each school that has an sro as a way to help some of the smaller school districts that can't afford those to be able to to put one in every single school in rutherford county we're very blessed we have the resources and already have sros in our schools and many other counties do too But there are some rural places where they can barely make payroll and they can't afford to do that. So this program, if it passes, would be able to allow those schools $30,000 to help offset the cost of hiring that SRO to have one at each school. That's a huge part of the school safety is having someone there that can respond uh, when a threat comes. There's also the governor's school safety bill, which has uh, some grant money available to increase uh, security measures in schools and it has some requirements to keep doors locked uh, during the day and some teeth if, if those are not uh, if those rules aren't followed and I think that's gonna be working its way to the house floor very soon as well
1: now I know a similar bill was passed back in 2019 it came with grant money but it was not a requirement in that bill to mandate every school that's public to have a school resource officer or, or security guard or police officer at that school. This this bill though, in particular, it would actually require all public schools to have a school resource officer, correct?
3: Well my understanding from the amendment that came through was that it did the, the requirement came out, but it it uh, the requirements on the state to provide the grant money to the schools that put the SROs in, in there. Uh, if you mandate the, the SROs and don't send the money You know, you've created an obligation for the county or city financially, but they may not be able to afford. And so the the mandate was taken out, and it incentivizes them. If you hire an SRO, you'll get this grant of $30,000 to to help offset the cost of it.
1: So then that means it's similar to that one in 2019, which, as we saw the end result of... It didn't equal a school resource officer in every school, so I hope that's not what this does all over
2: again. Well, the, the problem is mandating that a county, any county, small or large, has to have an SR, which is a sheriff's deputy, a trained right. deputy, that's paid to be there at the school. Um, if we mandate they have to have it, even if we're paying for it, there's no way that a county can be made. Uh, they may not be able to have the resources to hire a deputy or even find deputies that want to live in a rural area. So if we mandate they have to have it and they can't find one, then what, then what? So that's why it has to almost be permissive to the locals, even though we're helping pay or subsidize the cost. We it, it's it's hard to order them to do it because it is their local school system.
1: It's a, a tough situation. You know, I, I I'm one who's definitely not for any mandates of government, but when you're talking about mandating one government office to do something by another government office i think it's a little different when it comes to the safety of children but it would be a a, a tough wall to be against because you're looking at telling that community i guess you're going to have to come up with this x amount of dollars in order to to pay for the remainder of the bill for a school resource officer
2: well i know also um one other uh, thing that got obscured—a major, which would normally be dominating the news right now—another major piece of legislation, perhaps one of the biggest in state history, passed yesterday on the House floor, but it was overlooked, and that was the uh, the New Choice Lane Highway Fund, where Mer- were Rutherford County be getting millions for local roads, and um, was it 3.3 billion? That's right. Uh, for for road improvements, plus it authorized the count the state to uh, negotiate with private companies that they want to go into partnership and build additional lanes, not the, not um, toll roads, but additional lanes on the interstate that would be used for um, uh, in, in addition to the, the four to six lanes that's currently there, they would add one to four lanes in the metro areas and in Rutherford County that people would pay to use, express lanes, that would take traffic off of the regular highway and generate money to maintain the regular highway is the theory but they're negotiating with that there's no guarantee they'll even find a partner to do that but at least now they legally can negotiate
1: again with us this morning in studio we have state representatives tim rudd from murfreesboro and also robert stevens from smyrna and uh, we'll be more than happy to take your calls or your comments at 615-893-1450 and you can call or text and we'll get to your uh, message in just a second here. Right now, the time eight forty-six. You're listening to WGNS on this Friday morning, today, the thirty-first of March.
0: The Action Line on FM one hundred one point nine and AM fourteen fifty Murfreesboro, FM one hundred point five Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.
2: The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street, across from the tall NHC building. All of the proceeds that we generate from our store goes directly back into the ministry for those programs that Greenhouse has, so we would just encourage people to come out and take a look. The Garden Patch offers competitive prices on name-brand clothing, furniture, large appliances, household items, toys, and more. Shopping at the Garden Patch helps Greenhouse Ministries inspire, give hope, and change lives. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street in downtown Murfreesboro.
0: Hi, this is Peter Demas. Join our family at Demas' Restaurant. So many people buy so many different things. You know, I go out to eat, and I like eating steak, where my wife will end up getting her salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves our salmon. It's one of those places that you can go. You can get pastas or chicken. You know, the kids love it. Get what you want at Demas' Restaurant, and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas' Restaurant. 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. If I could talk to the animals.
1: Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. Whether you're a brand new hobbyist or have been into aquariums for a long time, we have all of the supplies to either get you started or keep you going. One of the best things about coming to Animal City is the knowledgeable and caring staff. We are here to help you with all your pet needs. When you stop in to see us at Animal City, make sure to explore all two stories of our wonderful pets and pet supplies. Animal City
3: is
0: at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. My grandmother and Ms. Adams were best friends. She said, Betty, you need to come to Adams' place. You'd love it.
1: We're talking with Betty Kirksey.
0: They go above and beyond of what their job is. I wish Miss Adams was still living so I could tell her, you were right, it is where I should be, and it's very nice. <laughs> I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
1: Right now that time is 8.48. You're listening to WGNS again on this Friday morning. And this morning in studio we have with the state representatives Tim Rudd and also Uh, robert stevens and we're talking about rutherford county issues and issues that would hit though at this state level and uh, one of the issues deals with school again not with guns in school or anything like that but with third grade retention we keep hearing third grade retention over and over again what first of all is all this talk about third grade retention
3: so a couple of years ago the state passed a law that said uh, they want third graders to be able to read effectively at grade level before they're promoted to fourth grade and then this year it it has come out that about 66 percent of the students are not reading adequately at grade level and there was uh, some misinformation put out about how this works but there, uh, there was a scare that many of the students would not be promoted on to fourth grade with the messaging that went out a lot of the people did not understand there were eight exceptions plus an appeal process that the parents could use to get their kids promoted to fourth grade. Um, However, despite all this, we went back and looked at that again, and a a compromise was reached with uh, the teachers, the school systems, the uh, people that were pushing to have higher literacy rates and so forth. So they've added a ninth exception now, and they've also clarified how the appeal works, including allowing teachers and the school systems to help Fill out the application for the appeal and got it through to help uh, get students to fourth grade that may just be a bad test taker or may have had a bad day
1: now I I know a lot of people have said you you know you can look at the third grade graduation rate and then figure out how many future prison beds you're gonna need now I, I know it's not that simple but a lot of folks have boiled it down to make it that simple but that's not necessarily the case there's a lot of other math that goes into statistics that involve third graders graduating and moving to fourth grade and the number of prison beds i mean there's just a lot more that goes into it but have they talked more about that in in saying or using that as a theory you know hey if we don't have these third graders graduate on to fourth grade we're going to see more criminals on the street in the future
3: well there's no doubt about uh if they aren't reading well at third grade then when they're in eighth grade or twelfth grade they're not going to be able to to function properly so we've got to get them when they're young and they've got to be able to read effectively in third grade uh, we've also put a bunch of resources this year into k through two uh, expanding summer camps and learning and more resources to help with reading because if they aren't reading effectively at third grade when it switches from learning to read to reading to learn they're going to be behind when they're in eighth grade and studies show that uh, you know, you're know you going to have dropout rates and uh, criminal problems, teen pregnancies and all kinds of issues, if we can keep them at grade level uh, they're going to be more literate, be able to be more effective in school and hopefully be more successful in life. So the state spends hundreds of millions billions of dollars on education so it needs to work and we've got to be sure that these kids can read and be successful
1: i think psychologists are starting to understand more and more about the human brain over the years with with new technology with developing new medicine but they're starting to see and they're starting to report a lot more on it that those early years, and this has long been known, those early years are some of the most important years in a child's development. Talking about pre-K even, all the way up to third and fourth grade. But those are years that are very impressionable when it comes to learning and understanding
3: That is correct, and I do believe with the compromise that was reached and the resources that are being put into K-2 through that we're going to see our literacy rates increase. Uh, There was a push to just back off and return the control back to locals and let them make all the decisions about promoting to fourth grade, but if we keep doing the same thing the same way and don't have the oversight, then we're probably going to get the same outcome. So this was a good way to to get everyone's attention. Uh, It's going to hopefully increase the literacy rates in the third grade so that the students are more successful long-term
1: now we do have a uh, text here in regards going back to school resource officers in schools and it says we have veterans out there that would actually volunteer to protect the schools for free so mandating this would not be an issue just use common sense as you write the bill but you can't simply write a bill and say, any veterans out there that like to volunteer to protect a school, well, come the, on in. Well,
2: the, the issue I would have, and I'll let Robert address it this issue, I have, even though they're well-intentioned, I think that if we ever did allow something or if they wanted to go to the Sheriff's Department and be a, like a resource officer or something that's acceptable under the law, we can't, even if they're great people and veterans, we can't allow people to be guarding our children, armed guarding our children in schools. Unless the Sheriff's Department has has approved in some way, we can't shut them out of the – because that that could get into a situation where we could let somebody do that that isn't a good person. So they'd have to go through the Sheriff's Department. Mm -hmm. Florida
3: has a program – well, let me back up. Someone came to my office this week to talk about school safety and explained to me a program in Florida called the Guardian Program, where they do use former – Uh, military individuals and and retired police police officers and they are there to help the the school resource officers as just you know keeping extra eyes on the unwatched places and to be available if some kind of crisis does come up of course it's too late to file legislation this year but I've got that in my 2024 to look at list and definitely we'll be following back up with that individual and see if there is a way that we can plug in some people that Uh, might want to help that are qualified to to help the SROs.
1: And, of course, I I think this is going to take a a lot of work in order to to put that school resource officer or somebody who's trained properly in every single school because you are talking about a lot of training and you're talking about trying to find the right fit that has that personality to work with kids because you don't want to see children grow up in schools and look at law enforcement or look at military as just an enforcer you'll want to see them as somebody who works together with others in the community so i mean there's a lot to this
3: that's that's correct and i I think we need to look at how other states do it before we try to do something ourselves and find out what worked and what didn't work but it is certainly an idea that's worth pursuing anything that we can do to have extra guards and extra uh, qualified people to watch the schools and keep out threats and eliminate threats is certainly something that we should pursue.
1: Another question here, a little off topic, but it's asking about Rutherford County's proposed increase in an impact fee. And uh, with that being said, uh, Robert Stevens, I know you got you have to leave, uh, so we'll move on. And, and thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, so we'll go to Tim Rudd on this one, and it's about impact fees, the proposal of an increase to rutherford county's impact fee and i don't know what the current impact fee is but what are we looking at here is that a state question or is that a, a local rutherford county question
2: well the way um way um, and I, I believe what we had i think what it was explained we had like a 750 i believe it was 750 impact fee in place for years mm-hmm. and that generated several million but they needed more so i believe it was uh about a year and a half ago they changed the formula to go to square feet and that did generate maybe a couple of million more than the 750 but they want more. They want more money. And I think one of the commissioners said they're, they're looking at maybe a $30 million shortfall right now without cuts and uh, or tax increases to, to pay for schools and other, other things in government. And um, uh, so they're trying to find revenue. And the problem I had with the impact fee, number one, Uh, I have pledged that I will never, ever support a tax hike. I believe in cutting the size of government and cutting services first and and holding that that accountable. But that was a local decision. Now, the way the current law is, if they wanted to increase that uh, adequate facilities tax, I believe, which is a tax per square foot, they have to wait. I think it's four years from the time it was implemented, and they're about two and a half years away before they could go up again. And they wanted to change the formula again back to an impact fee. And the legislation uh, that was up to Capitol Hill this year was written was written without the input of the state legislators uh, from Rutherford County, and it was written without the input of the Realtors and builders and developers. Uh, if we had all just been able to set around a table before the bill was ever introduced, before it was ever written, and work out a compromise in which most people or all, everyone was agreed to, I would have just been a very quiet no. But I, uh, I resented the fact that a representative from another county bypassed all seven of us and introduced a bill affecting Rutherford County. And at one point it affected the whole state, then they were going to amend it, then it went back to the whole state, and... Um, they, uh, they had, uh, they knew they didn't have the votes in committee to pass it. And w- what was bad about that bill was it was open-ended with no limits on it. So if it got approved, you could charge ten thousand, fifty thousand, thirty thousand, uh, or just five thousand, and they wouldn't have to come back to us to get permission. So there would be no safeguards to protect the taxpayers. And uh, this bill changed constantly, so I'm not sure in what one version did to the other. But I couldn't support an open ended tax like the problem with with I understand the reasoning of taxing development, uh, and taxing growth. But it's hard to tax growth and be fair, because if you tax right now they they passed another one without our input last night at the County Commission, wanting another one for five thousand. Again, it's open ended though I believe. And that would mean that senior citizens selling their home and downsizing, which is occurring a lot lately, buying a smaller home, they know they were born and raised here, they would have to pay the impact fee. We, you and I, if we moved around in the county and we were already here, bought a new home, we would have to pay the impact fee. If our children bought a new home and saved and bought their first new home, they would have to pay an impact fee. But the new residents that move here from California and Illinois and Michigan and New York that buy existing homes and rent pay no impact fee. And that's just not fair to the taxpayers. So I was hoping that this summer that all the parties could get around a table, not in a public forum and try to embarrass each other, but in a public in a, in a private forum where they could all sit around a table and work out something that everybody could live with. And if they do that, I'll just be a quiet no, but like I said, I will never, support a tax hike I promised my constituents and I will not go back on that. Now last night the county commission put me up on a big big screen and ridiculed me and was untruthful about some of the things that uh, went down. But that is something that is they chose to do. I've had commissioners come to me in the past. and said, "Tim, I'm going to vote for a tax hike or I'm going to vote for something on the commission. I hope you're not going to be mad. I said, No, I respect your decisions. We're still friends. Unfortunately, they did not respect my decision at the state capitol. And, uh, and, and now it's kind of gotten petty where they're putting me up on a widescreen, attacking me without even being there to defend myself. But I'm still working with them. Uh, The the mayor has asked me the day after last week if I could help secure 16 million for a project he's working on and I am working to get that money for the county plus I'm working with uh, the speaker and other leadership to try to get some uh, relief this year or next year hopefully this year for high growth counties to get some money to help them out. So regardless of them attacking me uh, I will continue to help them in any project I can because that's what I was elected to do and will continue to do. But I'll tell you this in closing. I'm not going to let anarchists in Nashville, protesters spitting on me and attacking me and threatening me, veer me away from my conservative beliefs, and I'm not going to let my friends here at home do that either. I will not uh, abandon my conservative beliefs, which I believe in responsible, well-managed government, less government, less regulations and less taxes. And that's the policy I followed at the state level and that's the policy that I follow here.
1: We do have more uh, questions and comments, but we're not going to be able to get to them right now, so maybe uh, next month we can dive into some of these. I'll make note of them. But again with us this morning Tim Rudd, state representative from Murphy's and also who left just a second ago, Robert Stevens of Smyrna, and uh, thank you for joining us this morning.
2: Glad to be here and um, Thanks for all you do. Right now that time, 9.02.
1: News comes your way in just a minute with Ron Jordan. After that, the roundtable will be on the air.